Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and as always this is abe out now is a film podcast which has abe and i discussing new movies weekly we also bring in a little discussion about the latest movie trailers box office results and predictions a retro review that has to do with the main film of the week games and other fun stuff this is episode 46 and on the docket for tonight we have the new comedy from director david wayne wanderlust and we're also going to do our Oscar predictions, actually. And, uh, yeah, to joining us for these subjects at hand, we have writer for Fast Film Reviews and a man who will likely be very happy after all the Oscar winners are announced tonight, Mark Hoban. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Jesus. and writer for Award Contenders and a man with aspirations to shoot the moon in the face, <laughs> Mark Johnson. Hey, everybody. Happy Oscar Day. Yay. <laughs> Toast. Uh, if, if Abe and I were smarter, we would have done our predictions a week ago, and then they'd be up already before the Oscars, but we're not. So, we had to watch Ghost Rider. That, we Ghost had to watch Rider. Ghost Rider. It was necessary. We had to, yeah. Um, few, few announcements. iTunes reviews and ratings. Uh, we recently got a new review, and it was cool, and she was very happy that we mentioned her last week. And um, we continue to like getting our reviews and ratings. It's really simple to do, really easy. It helps promote the show. Everybody wins. So that's out there. Let's see. I mentioned that we are doing our Oscar predictions later in the show. We are, and tomorrow, as the Oscars, you know, after they happen, we plan to record a results show as well. So there's going to get into things. Let's do a little know everybody, where each week we ask each other some questions to kind of set the tone for the podcast and try to get to know everybody. Let's start with Mark Johnson. All right. Uh, Abe, what, uh, what, won, what, not, what one award tonight are you hoping wins most? Which one do you have the personal most uh, attraction to tonight yeah, of the, the folks that are nominated yeah i really really want brad pitt to win for best actor in moneyball oh that's like good. i think that's like uh that's actually my upset or not my upset but that's in my category i want to win uh, i've mentioned that before um it, i watched it again it's a really solid movie um really good direction and acting overall so that that's what i re- really want i think to all three win. of you had that on your top tens am i right moneyball yeah yeah, I did. Mark Hoban. 
would Wonderless have been more enjoyable with Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston or Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt in a weird <laughs> Mad About You movie? Hashtag 90s question. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think it would be more enjoyable. I, I like Paul Rudd quite a bit, actually. Um, and Jennifer Aniston is fine. I mean, she's not like uh, a great actress or anything, but uh, I, I like those two as far as uh, as likable people. So I, I would prefer them. Not not a big fan of Mad About You, actually. So yes. Aaron, uh, what would you say is the biggest miss at this year's Oscars, meaning somebody that should have been nominated or a film that should have gotten recognition that did not. Um, many people would say Drive, but I never really expected Drive to hit big at the Oscars, except for Albert Brooks as supporting actor, which was the, you know, that was probably the most surprising snub, given that he and Christopher Bump were neck and neck for um, supporting actor all the way. However, that's still not my answer. Uh, songs, Muppets. <laughs> Where where are all the other Muppet songs in this category? That's my that's 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 the biggest right? miss. The, the the real biggest miss is the fact that we're not going to see Muppets perform these songs tonight. So, oh yeah, yeah. And, and maybe one of you know about this, but why were the Song. songs from Drive not? I, I believe there were not even oh, eligible. Like the score they did from not Drive. Or... Well, not no the songs. All those there was like five. Oh, like songs well, those aren't yeah. like original songs for the movie. Those are pre-recorded yeah. songs. So that they, like they the found? yeah yeah the, I mean yeah they didn't make those songs for Drive like the Muppets those songs were made for the Muppets <laughs> same with whatever yeah, Rio it goes, is <clears throat> it goes it goes back to things their, their their rules behind song and score are extremely strict I don't know if you remember a few years ago There Will Be Blood the score was deemed ineligible just because uh, Johnny Greenwood had played it somewhere prior to recording it he played like one time for an audience before recording it for the film or something like that and so it was deemed ineligible even though it was probably the, the best score and like dark knight couldn't get in because i guess it was too awesome because they had two people doing it <laughs> like that was, that was the reason <laughs> behind that one i guess yeah yeah they have strict rules. speaking to that about the weird technicalities um that Ma song masterpiece from madonna's movie we which i mean i'm not really saying that's a great song or anything but the reason why it was deemed ineligible for the Oscars, even though it won at the Golden Globes, was because it appeared too late in the credit sequence. <laughs> I mean, that's... Yeah, I, just don't, to be, I don't get it that. Has, it has to be the first song during the credits. <laughs> if it's beyond that, then it's See, out. Even, I, every, the <laughs> song category annoys me so much. Like I always feel it should be like a song that that has some kind of direct like effect in the movie. Like say what you will, say yeah, what you will about like Eminem winning a best song that year, but that song made sense in that movie. Like it was made it. throughout that entire yeah, movie. Absolutely. Like that's <laughs> it's same with um, um, yeah. Hustle and Flow too. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That was one of the greatest upsets yeah. ever. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, uh, I think I kind of like Six Mafia. <laughs> And then right after that, John Stewart says, Scorsese, yeah. Three Six Mafia One, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Abe, last week there was the 500 Simpsons episode. Who has been your favorite Simpson guest star? My favorite Simpsons guest star? Wow, that is a great question. No lie. Because I love The Simpsons. I haven't really been keeping up since season 12 when things kind of feel Yeah, we don't like have to worry about those. <laughs> Uh, my favorite Simpsons guest episode. Oof, I think just off the top of my head, I, I'd say the Michael Jackson episode. He didn't actually sing the song, but he was apparently just playing himself as the big guy from the mental institution. 
But uh, that was a good that was a good song for Lisa, even though he didn't apparently didn't sing that song. It's a, it's a good episode. So it was the other yeah. Lisa episode of Dustin Hoffman. Oh that's, yes, that's, that's yours. When you ask that question, I'm like answering it in my mind. Mr. Bernstrom. Like, love... Yeah. <laughs> it was so that's back in the days when the Simpsons were really touching and like yeah, there was there was a than... there was a sensitivity or something to the cartoon that it doesn't have anymore. But yeah, that was a great episode. The, um, now I already said that I wasn't. I was all about the Muppet songs, but Albert Brooks and the Simpsons. That's where I. Uh, that's where I live. <laughs> Throw, damn you! As, at, Hank? as Hank Scorpio, and you only move, you only move twice. Yeah. Oh no, I like him as the bowling guy. Uh, he, he has had five different appearances in Simpsons episodes, and I like Hank Scorpio <laughs> is what nails because that's my favorite Simpsons episode of all time. So, of all time. I mean, <laughs> you kill some people on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a lot of Simpsons humor for a movie podcast. So let's move on. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> um, Mark Johnson. Who is your favorite Oscar host, and who would you want to see as an Oscar host? Okay, favorite is easily Billy Crystal. He's the best. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. As much as I love John Stewart, and I think he did a great job, but Billy Crystal, I don't think you can argue against, is the best. Not who do David I want? You, 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 uh, Uma, Oprah, Oprah, Uma. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't. Put let me let me just point. John Stewart had like this great thing where he's like best like dream wake up sequences where like just people like make waking <laughs> up from dreams all of a sudden and best like um like periscope submarine scenes. Those like the montages of those scenes that made me crack up every time. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, as far as who I would want to host, that's tougher. I, I, I've, I've <laughs> no, no. Every year I keep hoping that Billy Crystal will come back. So that's, I've never really thought beyond that. But if I okay. could just throw it off the top of my head, maybe Ben Stiller or uh, maybe even Will Ferrell. Somebody, it's got to be somebody funny. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, keeps the, like when they had like Hugh Jackman or Anne Hathaway and James Franco host, I think that's when it's not as fun if, if the humor doesn't keep, you know, going throughout the night. So yeah. Hugh Jackman kept it classy, like though. It's, he didn't do a bad job. Yeah, though. I think. He did fine. He did fine. I just that was a great intro. He's Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hoban, let's say, uh, what is your? Do you have a favorite Oscar moment of all time? Oh gosh, that's <laughs> that's hard. Um, he said disgusted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Let me think. laughs> did anything ever win that you were kind of surprised won and it made you uh. jump up about? I, I, it's impossible for me to like guess what would be my or to say what would be my favorite because I'm probably gonna gotcha. forget something. But right. when Roberto Benigni won, yeah, yeah, I, I did actually kind of like I didn't even really want him to win, and then he was so happy to get that award <laughs> and just so genuine that I actually he he kind of made me feel like okay, I, I actually I'm kind of glad you won now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, and you know, he really never fulfilled his i mean promise essentially i don't know what else he's done well, since there was then the classic but, pinocchio movie that he made right right that was right after and that was a, not right. so he but that was like this one moment he's kind of like he had his moment in the sun and so i i i don't know if that is I, i'd probably you could probably mention something else that was better but i, I did enjoy that. i mean he when he first won he got up on the seats he started he was walking like on, on the, the head seats of another guy <laughs> and, uh, practically steven That's spielberg awesome. was like right there and 
Like people were holding his hands so he wouldn't fall. So that I guess I, I that kind of comes the to mind. The record he beat out Tom Hanks, Ian McKellen, Nick Nolte, and Edward Norton. It was a strong category right. that year. Right. He beat, yeah. he beat uh, Norton. Norton. Right. I think a lot great. of people feel like he didn't deserve the award, um, but I did. I liked his response to it. It was very genuine and honest. Between those five, like, he's, he's, he's strong. He's in the uh, upcoming Woody Allen film, yes, by the is. way. Nero. Mark Johnson. What would you say is the biggest upset ever at the Oscars? Something that, you know, happened in the history that you feel, always feel like that was just, you know, that, that always bugs me. Oh, I mean, as far as you know, that bugs me, I think not in my lifetime, I would say, probably looking back and, and seeing how green was my valley beating Citizen Kane and the whole scandal behind it with Hearst paying off voters to not vote for Citizen Kane to win since it was pretty much based on his life and made him look not so good. Mm. Um, that one's that one stands out as far as not in my lifetime. In my lifetime, I was pretty furious the night Crash beat Brokeback Mountain. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's I think probably even Jack Nicholson was upset. Yeah, yeah, that would probably be it. Then those two. Yeah, those are good choices. You know, I didn't realize that. So William Hurst did pay people off to yeah, not yeah. There's a there's actually a really cool documentary on uh, the Citizen yes, Kane DVD. Yes, very good, very good. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. If you if you like Citizen Kane, I I, I would definitely recommend it. It's all right. It's an all right. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting what Rosebud really referred to. Just leave it at that. <laughs> I am cliffhanger. I, I'm still furious about the 1999 Academy Awards where the Personals beat A Place in the Land for Best Documentary Short Subject, but that's a whole other. Sorry, that's <laughs> <God>, so obscure. <laughs> I, I always, uh, I, I like your choice of, um, you know, uh, Crash beating Brokeback Mountain, but I also always feel like uh, Saving Private Ryan beating um, Shakespeare losing in to, Love was I mean, kind losing, of was losing odd. To losing yeah. Shakespeare. Or I'm sorry, sorry, losing. I pre I had predicted Shakespeare in Love that year, so I wasn't as furious because I had <laughs> I had predicted Brokeback, so that makes it even more furious when you. Are considered so wrong. I sided with Ebert I, that year because he was like, I think Crash is going to upset it, and he was right. So was, yeah. <sighs> that's gross. Mark Hoban, what is your favorite Paul Rudd role? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd say for him to be like an actual acting performance, I really like him in I Love You, Man. So that would probably be my my favorite like of his performances. But I I probably like the movie Forty Year Old Virgin better. <laughs> you know, I think that's a better movie, but that's a little bit more based on Steve Carell. So, um, uh, I, I love you, man, for all that performance. Yeah, so good, yeah, nice choice. Yeah, cool. I would say Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers, but that's you know that's. You would not. Okay, that was a little bit of no, everybody. So let's move on now to our movie trailer talk, where we kind of discuss some of the latest or newest movie trailers of the week. And first up, we have The Dictator, and this is the new Sacha Baron Cohen film where he stars as a, fic a dictator of a fictional country, I believe. I'd assume it is. Yes. And yeah, not a lot is known about this one. It's kind of secretive so far, because beyond the whole Sacha Baron Cohen's playing a fictional dictator, and there happen to be some big stars in this movie, such as Megan Fox, Ben Kingsley, John C. Riley, Anna Ferris among others. So um only seen a few sneak previews of this one so far, but um Marks, Mark Johnson, Mark Oban, what do you what do you guys think of the dictator? 
Are you a fan of, of the Sacha Baron Cohen films, I guess, as well? Well, I, I liked Borat, and uh, and I, I, I actually, I liked Bruno quite a bit, too. So that would probably make me kind of excited for the film. But I don't know, maybe I, I'm feeling a little bit like fatigue and, at his sort of shtick. And so I, I'm a little bit less excited about this film. Um, there's a, in the trailer, there's a part at, at the end of the trailer where he's running a race and he starts shooting people. That was kind of funny. Like, I, I thought that was enjoyable. But the fact that Megan Fox is in the in the movie is not a good sign, I, in my opinion. So it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, I, I, I did like his other films. It's just I'm a little bit like, okay. And then this little fiasco about whether or not he can attend the Academy Awards or not is just like, I'm like, it's like the Academy Awards is not about you, okay, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. So it, it just feels like he just, he uses every opportunity to promote himself. And it's a little bit like, okay, I'm that's fine. But you know, I mean, it, if the reviews are good, then I'll probably be more excited to go see it. I think the uh, the Oscar thing, by the way, was a setup. I don't think that was ever a real situation. That's just my personal opinion. I think they were uh, battling back and forth. Uh, I think it was... I don't Publicity. Know, yeah, it was like an organized stunt. So do you think he is he going to attend? Yeah. Now he now see that and this is why because now he is attending in character as a presenter from what I read last. Yeah, I think I so, read it as well. So I don't think the academy would have said no, no and then oh, okay in the end. I think they would have stuck to their guns if it hadn't been uh, a stunt to begin with. I think they just wanted some publicity for uh, it. also the academy awards did this. I I think it was between him and the academy you know, yeah. putting the stunt together, you know, to to, to just generate some buzz. Uh, I see. But I, I, I might be wrong. That's just the way it looks like. No, you're, you're, I'm sure you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I am a fan. I, I was a huge fan of Dolly G Show. Yes. Uh, back before he was making these movies. But in Borat's probably, I mean, if I had to say, maybe my favorite comedy of the last decade. Right up there with uh, Royal Tenenbaums, probably. Two movies that should be locked um, together more often. Um, Bruno I wasn't as big a fan of but I still laughed through most of it so I would say that I am definitely looking forward to uh, this one and he's he's been good in other stuff he's done smaller roles like like in uh, Hugo or Sweeney Todd right he you know he's he's been he's one of those guys I think is really versatile I think there's more to him than just the silly craziness I think he's got some potential to you know I mean who would have said Tom Hanks would have been one of the best actors, you know, of a decade after he was in stuff like Bosom Buddies. Bachelor and... Party. Right, right. And I think Sasha, uh, you know, I think he has that maybe maybe Robin Williams is the actor to compare him to where he's just silly and crazy, but he can I, I have a future I have a feeling in the future we're going to see some kind of you know dramatic performance from him that's mm-hmm. if you if you were to view know. Hugo in a different way, I think you could already argue that, but yeah, right. Mm. But I completely agree with what you just said about Sasha Baron Cohen. The movie, the the, the dictator. Um, as far as like Bruno and Borat goes, like they're, I laughed at them, and I saw them the once, and that was kind of it for me. Like I'm good, so I feel kind of the same way about this. Where I'll probably like have a good time watching it, but I probably won't, you know, have a desire to watch it again. But I'm still looking kind of. I'm very curious about what it is exactly, since it has a combination of a lot of actors and possibly real world shenanigans going on. So that's where my main right. curiosity lies right now. Yeah. From the trailer, it looks like maybe it's less real-world yeah, shenanigans. Yeah, that's, that's certainly expected, yeah. yeah, it looks like yeah. more, a more scripted. Yeah. yeah, 
looks pretty funny. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen as well. Uh, the Ali G show. I always think back to the what, yeah, or when he's texting everybody, telling them that the batteries are are dead, and they've got to you know self connect to get the thing going in the movie. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I like a lot of his sort of shtick. All right, so that's the Dictator, which comes out May 11th, 2012. The, the movie that will most likely upset the Avengers at the box office that weekend. <laughs> okay, next movie we have is Casa de Mi Padre, which stars Gael Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna, and introducing Will Ferrell as a <laughs> as a uh, Mexican rancher and who kind of involves himself in Mexico with most Mexico's most feared drug lord. And this is a Spanish film, an uh, independent feature with a young up-and-comer named Will Ferrell in one of the lead roles. So it's been tagged as the funniest movie you'll ever read. So with all that said, I've heard a lot about this movie for a while now. It's finally got a you know a producer or like someone to distribute it. So, Abe, what, do you, what are you thinking about Casa de Mi Padre? It looks awesomely retarded. And in that, I'm just saying, like, with the slow motion action sequences, with Will Ferrell shooting guns, you know, you see the shell casings come out really slow. Um, terrible lines. It's gonna be great. I mean, I think I think that it, it almost reminds me of um, what was that Jack Black movie where Nacho he's Nacho Libre, yeah, Nacho Libre, but probably like more off the wall, a little bit more like retarded. But it looks pretty funny. Right. That's that's actually exactly what I was gonna say. Is it, it reminds me of like Nacho Libre meets Scarface or something. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm very with Will Ferrell. I'm, it's very hit or miss for me, and most of the time miss. I have a I have a hard time with what I call stupid comedies where there's not much plot going on and it's just kind of slapstick. And I know you could probably say that about Bruno, but I think there was a lot more to Bruno than than just a few uh, laughs or whatnot. But uh, I don't I'm not even sure I'm going to see this one. I'll probably wait to see what people are saying and then go from there. I think the last movie he made I liked was Stranger Than Fiction, maybe. Yeah. It's been a while, so. Well, I like the fact that Diego Luna and Gael Garcia Bernal are in it. That sort of lends it sort of an air of authenticity. But um, it it kind of looks like a sketch from Saturday Night Live that they've expanded to feature length. Exactly. Yeah, so that's not a good. I don't. It's not. Right. Doesn't bode well for it. Um, it and it's sort of making fun of like telenovelas, and I think telenovelas are funny because they're trying to be serious, and then they're funny because they're sort of not. This looks like we're really trying to be silly, and mm. it looks a little bit like it's trying kind of hard. Um, it also kind of reminds me of one of those trailers from the movie Grindhouse, like something <laughs> you know, like Machete or whatever. But um, right. but anyway. It, yeah, it it doesn't look spectacular, but it it might be it might have some you know enough laughs in it to make it worthwhile. I'm hoping this movie's more machete than um than Nacho Libre. I really hate Nacho Libre a lot, mainly because I just don't care for Jared Hess's style of comedy. So I I don't want it to be that, and I want it to be more ridiculous like Machete. But uh, we'll see, I guess. I'm curious. And I know Will Ferrell's been trying... He's been trying to get this one out there for a long time now. I remember hearing about this. Like, Will Ferrell wants to make a subtitled comedy. <laughs> so it's finally happened years later. So, uh, yeah, that said, I'm, I'm pretty curious about it. And the ESA, yes, the slow motion action sequences involving <laughs> made me laugh. So. <laughs> All right, well, Casa de Padre comes out in March 16th. A few weeks 
I think that's the same week as 21 Jump Street, so who knows? Maybe we'll do a double episode mm. about that one. Jesus. Um, with uh, current Oscar nominee Jonah Hill and current heartthrob Channing Tatum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, with all that said, let's move on to today's comedy review for Wonderlust. You ready for your meeting? Yep. Knock him dead, all right? I'll call you later. You know what I want to do? Hmm. I want to take off that robe and Why are you not at work, George? Oh, no, I got told, I got fired. As soon as we can get back on our feet, we'll come back to New York. But right now, my brother's offering me a job, and Atlanta's the best place for us to be. Brother, where's your cardboard box? And Linda, oh my God. Ah, your body is ridiculous. Rick, I think you're making everybody uncomfortable. Oh, everybody okay. knows what I mean. Here you go, simple data entry. You want me to uh, enter this data? Are you questioning me? Don't question me. Are you serious? Am I serious? You're fired. You're rehired. Consider that a warning shot. Let's get the hell out of here. All right, I cannot be in this car anymore. Elysium bed and breakfast. <laughs> You looking for the B&B? There's another half mile. You can't miss it. Leave? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Oh, my God, it's coming out. He wants to make a suit out of our skin. You guys okay? We'll take care of you. My name's Wayne, by the way. I'm a nudist. Oh, yes, we noticed your penis earlier. All right, so that was a little bit of the trailer for Wanderlust, the new film starring Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston from director David Wayne. And uh, this film is about... Rudd and Aniston playing George and Linda, a kind of New York yuppie-ish couple who are forced to leave New York because Paul Rudd, George doesn't get his uh, the, the bonus or raise that he's been wanting, and because of a lack of funds, they have to move out of their micro-loft and down to live with their brother-in-law, played by Ken Marino, but because he's such a dick, they kind of move away from that area and decide to <laughs> spend time or just basically shift their entire life over to Elysium, which is a commune that they spent a day at and had a ball with and decide, hmm, maybe we should try this for ever. Joining this commune, they meet a host of different weird alternative characters, including Justin Thoreau as Seth, the somewhat leader character, and among many others who are all doing very different things, including a nudist winemaker. Lots of free love shenanigans start happening, and Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston try to adjust to this alternative lifestyle, but we'll see, you can see how far that goes. So, with all that said, let's start with Mark Hoban. What did you think of Wanderlust? Okay, well, I... Oh, in the word, I did not like the film. <laughs> I, I didn't like it, but it started out really well. I thought that uh, Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston were kind of like two yuppie types and they play sort of uptight really well. And they embody this combination of likable but still fussy enough that we can take delight when bad things happen to them. So it started out really good and, and there was a funny amusing bit about uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston plays Linda and she has she's uh, at, the, at the moment in the beginning of the film she's a documentary filmmaker and she's making this uh, documentary about penguins and but but uh, it's also about how the wildlife isn't threatened and she pitches it as like an inconvenient truth meets March of the Penguins and I, I thought that was funny and kind of speaks to like how pitch meetings go and things like that so it started out really well and then you know it, things kind of fall apart for them and then they end up in this community but once they once they end up in the they, they go to the community the first time and 
it's really like a, a, a pleasant experience for them. And then they leave and everything up until then is good. They go to the brother's house and he's such a jerk that they leave and decide to go back. When they go back to the community is where I think the film fell apart. And it just was just a bunch of skits for me um, and really kind of childish, aimless, didn't really have much of a point. I, I feel like it almost felt like two different films, the the beginning, which was really kind of a great setup, and then an ending where they just sort of aimlessly do one skit after another, and I didn't really find much of the humor very funny. So unfortunately, I, I would say I, did, I didn't care for the film. I thought it was okay. I think that there were a lot of funny parts, um, and I agree with Mark where it, it's pretty good in the early part, and then when they get to Elysium, I think the extended stay at Elysium past a certain time limit of the movie. I was like, wow, this is this is getting pretty pretty old here because nothing really new happens, I guess. I think that uh, Ken Marino, man, that guy, like when he breaks that plate, I was like, this guy is really mad. Like it's actually kind of really funny. Also, if you ever watched Party Down, yes. uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> he plays like this really like dumb like uh, catering boss. But anyway, like. Ken Marino is actually a really funny guy. I like him a lot. Uh, in this role, it was kind of just, he was just being such a dick that you just really hate him. But aside from that, I think that Jennifer Aniston was okay in this. I think Paul Rudd is always being Paul Rudd. He's a great, um, you know, comedic actor. Uh, and he really makes this, like, I guess he sells this one pretty well. But again, the Elysium thing is, it was cool. I think that there is like a, a stupid little way that they make the movie, uh, I, I guess. Keep going, yeah, um, yeah. It's like a plot point where, kind of just kind of like, oh well, this is stupid, and and then Justin Thoreau kind of just being really weird. There's a lot of tension before, and then kind of just see that dissipate a little bit again. I think at a certain time it kind of just got a little bit cliched for me, uh, but it was okay. Yeah, Abe, I basically agree with what you had to say there. I think and points that Mark made as well. I think the movie, I think it's quite funny and funny enough for me to recommend it overall, just because when I was going back over my thoughts on the movie to try and write about it, it, it kept making me laugh. And I was thinking about a lot of the things that <laughs> did make me appreciate the movie. I actually, I went like half a star higher because I'm like, you know what? This movie did make me laugh genuinely and, you know, loud for numerous parts. But yeah, it is, it does rely on more sketchish kind of based humor than it does like having a cohesive plot. And then when the plot does kick in, it's just, it feels very perfunctory. It doesn't really feel like anything out of the ordinary interesting's happening like i don't really care about george and linda's relationship problems and i don't the, the having conflict involving the state of elysium is kind of just kind of eh, i don't really care about this but there are a lot of really funny people with this film and i did laugh quite a bit at at what they were what they're doing even if it is essentially a movie that involves having various skits coming into play over and over again i laughed at those skits so i i had a good time watching the movie just justin Thoreau in particular made me laugh a lot throughout this movie everything he was doing and it makes me wonder because he's been in a lot of like he's been in a lot of movies and a lot he's done a lot of different things like he's also a screenwriter too but he's also he's done a lot of different different roles like he's been in a couple david lynch movies he's been in he was an american psycho and he's in like these movies he just has a lot of he knows how to do a lot of different things, and it's 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 weird to me that he hasn't broken out as a bigger star compared to a lot of other people that have. So. Well, I see your point, but I kind of value the sleeping pill and the blackberry and the mm. latte. You know, you can really get trapped in that web of beepers and Zenith televisions and Walkmans and Discmans and floppy disks and zip drives, laser disks, answering machines, and Nintendo Power Glove. 
Wow, you know so much about technology. But uh, Mark, about the uh, the pitch meeting, I thought that was that was like a really funny scene uh, where where uh, Jennifer Aniston is basically trying to go off the rails because she's pretty upset, and then they're like, "Could you really do that?" <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's how it sell. And I was like, I, I don't know if it's like making a jab at HBO for making these like overly dramatic and overly like sad things or or you know the, things. The but, woman uh, is like, I don't. I think you're kidding. But if you're not, could you? It's that like that whole scene was brilliant. I mean, I really felt like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a great film. I mean, I, yeah. I was really excited. And then I also want to point out that the Mad TV uh, comedian who's also in that scene, he was pretty funny. too. I forget his name, but he's the guy that agrees with everything. And then he's like, what I think she's trying to say is and he just says <laughs> a verbatim. And it's just like, uh, but that was a great yeah, pitch him scene. And, um, one of the guys at Elysium who plays who plays Rodney uh, on the new Comedy Central show, Key and Peele. Oh, together. Cool. So I was like, oh, these two guys are both in this movie. That's Abe. You mentioned Ken Marino, who I really think is really fun. He also co-wrote the film with David Wayne. But um, yeah, oh, did he? I didn't know. Yeah, I can actually. Regardless, like Ken, Ken Marino, he was really funny. But I really liked his wife. His kids, the like the character of the wife played by Michaela Watkins. Like so there was weird. a lot of really funny stuff. Like I think that family could have like their own short film spinoff. Like they're just off the walls. <laughs> well, and she, I think she represented what the audience was feeling. Like because this. Ken Marino yes. character is such a yes. jerk. Yeah, the son was the, the part about the son. That was that, that was, was an amazing great. joke. He's it was only like on one like scene, but it was seconds. perfect. It was exactly yeah. what you'd expect. Like, Paul Rudd is a fool in this movie, by the way, too. Like he he has a he has two he has two scenes where they just let him go, basically. And uh, like yeah. that, I was there's there's that. a lot where you can either tolerate that or you can't. And really, it, it kind of went, it did a thing where, like, South Park does, where you just kind of have a joke, and it goes on and on, and it stops being funny, but then it kind of gets to be funny again, and that's where I kind of landed with it. That scene where... The mirror he's... scene, or the scene after it? Which... This, the scene okay. in the mirror, where he's he's basically you know, trying to psych himself I purposely, you know, did not describe it, does not spoil it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, well, I, I think it's, it, it's basically just an ad-lib scene, so, I mean, I don't think it's possible to spoil it. I couldn't do it justice. The scene wasn't even funny in the first second. I think they should have just taken it out. And it, then the fact that it goes on for like five minutes was just, I mean, it was one of the most, I respect Paul Rudd. And it was probably, it was almost a scene like, like when somebody, like that scene in Fame where, where uh, Irene, was it? Irene Cara has to take her clothes off and you're like, oh my God, that's so you're embarrassing. Sad, it's so sad. And I was looking at Paul Rudd like, just stop, please. You're, it's, this is embarrassing. It, it was bad. I mean, it it was really bad I was actually. A lot with my audience. <laughs> yeah. I read a review actually that said they thought that was the their favorite scene of the film. So, but yeah, I thought it was bad. Um, it seems that we can't like play a clip from that because it's so like foul. But <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to edit yeah. a lot of that out. <laughs> um, what about uh, Jennifer Aniston in this movie? I thought she was okay. I thought she was serviceable. I liked her better in Horrible Bosses. Yes, uh, where she's not playing a Jennifer Aniston character. Yeah. Yeah, you know, not that uh, same character that you see all the time. I mean, she's if you've seen Office Space, it's kind of like the same kind of role. Incredible night. Really? Do you take credit cards? No, no. We all decided that you paid us last night with your friendship and honesty and your stories. That's. I mean. So kind. Do we get change back? (laughs) And you know, if we didn't need the money so badly, we would insist. Mm. Just remember, money buys nothing. Mm. Well, nothing important. (laughs) No, no. Money literally buys nothing. I think you mean mean metaphorically. No, literally. Nothing. 
Literally, money buys most things. No, not the. Are you saying that? No, yeah, well, I'm saying that literally, you. It, you no, know, but you, I'm saying literally, money buys nothing. I don't know what it you buys get. nothing. You're right. Money, money pays for nothing. That's right. But not literally. Honey, she has a way that she reacts to people's. Like someone make a statement and she'll make a sort of like a like a puzzled face or she'll she has a reaction shot that is the same in every single thing she does. And she does it in friends. She does it. In, she acts the same. I mean, she has absolutely no range. And I mean, she's fine. She's adequate for the part. And she's supposed to be, she's moderately likable. And but at the same time, like I was saying earlier, you you sort of like it when bad things happen to her. So it's, it's, she's straddling <laughs> the line between the right kind of a character. Yeah. But she's. <laughs> She has no all, range. All, all of no this range. I agree with. I I, 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 don't, I don't really care for Jennifer Aniston that much in movies and every because she's boring to me every time. She could never. I mean, she could never play like a person from another country or do it like an you know do an accent. She's just an American. <laughs> she's an American girl from LA. I thought that's, about that. That's very she true. She can't. She I cannot could, do I it. I couldn't see her. Do I did it. love her in The Leprechaun. Yeah. Say that. <laughs> More horror movies. Did you guys see, was it The Good Girl, where she was getting some critical acclaim? I, I saw The Good right, Girl. Right, right. I didn't that's, see it. That's she's, yeah, she's film. good in that movie. That's... If she ever gave up what you'd call a performance, yeah. that would be it. <laughs> well, even <laughs> Horrible Bosses, she gives like a performance. She's trying. It's right. a little bit more off. It's still off giving of a performance. Her so. tilt, yeah. And she's a brunette in that movie. So. <laughs> 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 that's method yeah. acting, I believe. That's what <laughs> You know what I was surprised what? about? You are right, Aaron. Malin Ackerman does not take off her I, shirt. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this is uh, this is strange," but okay. <laughs> I, you know what? I could, I'd, I'd like to give credit to Malin Ackerman for like how she plays. Is like, it's. I think it, it could be misconstrued as very easy to play the role that she's playing, but I think there's a lot of kind of nuance to playing that kind of character where she's basically a sex pot, but like not outright saying it. Where she's playing hot, but like kind of aloof to it. It's not like a yeah. huge role, especially when you have all these other crazy characters, such as Joe Latruglia Joe, Joe as a nudist winemaker who's writing his great novel. But I liked her in this movie, too. Anything else about Wanderlust before we get to our review or our rating? Up? Oh, no, I think I'm pretty psyched about the Oscars. I think we should go into that. Right. Yeah. Then uh, let's get to our rating, then. Uh, each week, uh, now we try to rate the movies that we see based on when you should go and see them. And that scale kind of goes from IMAX to theater, dollar theater, Netflix, HBO TV, or just kind of forget about it. So, Mark, on that scale, where would you put it? I will put HBO. Yeah, I think it's definitely not something you need to see in a the theater. Gabe? I'd say Netflix. All right. I'd say a yeah, dollar theater would be fine for me. You like you catch it, and you're like, oh, Wonderless is playing. I'll go see it for three dollars. Yeah. All right, so let's move on then, and let's move to our box office results. And um, each week we go over the box office totals and find out if our previous week's predictions were anywhere near what they should be. Abe tends to be a pro at this game, so let's see what happened. Abe, do you remember what you predicted, predicted last week? I, I think I said fourth with you nine did. million. Alan Aguilera yeah. said fifth with seven million. Jordan said third with eleven. I said second with fourteen. I'm the big loser this week. Alan's a lot closer. Wanderlust came in at eighth place with six eighth. million dollars. Um, Act of Valor wow. proved to be quite the film to beat with first place, with twenty-four million, followed by Tyler Perry's Good Deeds, sixteen. Uh, Journey <laughs> Two holding strong at third place, beating out Safe House and the Dow, which were number one and two for the past two weeks. And then Ghost Rider is still making money. Good for Ghost Rider. <laughs> How much did Ghost Rider drop? Uh, how to drop 60, 60%, which is 60%. Uh, average, really. If anything, you'd think it'd be sharper, but it didn't. 
So there you go. And yeah, Wanderlust. Wanderlust did beat Gone with Amanda Seyfried. So. Yay. And um, also uh, Secret of Ariarty is at 10th place. And I just saw that movie. And I think it's really good. That's a, so that's a, that's a strong film from Studio Ghibli. It's not it's not like going to be one of their classics like, you know, Spirited Away or Totoro or Princess Mononoke. But it's a really solid film for all ages. I would recommend Secret World of Ariarty. And uh, yeah, that's box office stuff. Well, let's... Uh, Move on a little bit to our retro reviews. You know what, Abe? We call mm-hmm. these retro reviews every week. We don't really review these movies that were that are retro. We just gotta, no, we, just gotta we haven't. I don't we think just we're... gotta mention them. So I, I tried. I want to yeah. propose a new title, a new Ooh. title for this segment. I have, I have one in mind right here. Drum roll, please. What's it seem like? What's it seem like? <laughs> I like it. What's approved. it seem like? Okay. So, in, this, in our segment of What's It Seem Like, we discuss a couple of films that relate in some way to the main feature of the week. So, with that, Abe, any, any movies come to mind that, you know, seemed like Wonderlust? Uh, in terms of general categories, any Paul Rudd movie and any Judd Apatow movie. All right. Mark? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sort of piggybacking on that thought, but I'll, I'll be a little more specific. I'll say Our Idiot Brother, because he played a hippie in that film, and I don't know what her name is, but there was one woman that was actually in... Uh, Wanderlust, uh, that is also in Our Idiot Brother. I wish I could think of her name. She played the uh, woman that at the commune in Our Idiot Brother. I can't think of her name. Catherine Hahn. Thank you. So she was in both films, and uh, it also had to do with a little bit with hippies, uh, and so does Wanderlust. So I thought of that. Yeah, I thought of uh, David Wayne's previous films: Role Models, Wet Hot American Summer, and The State, or The States, the TV series, uh, the The Ten is the movie. The States, the MTV sketch series that they all that all those guys well, there's a lot of people of the state in this movie actually that are all in here and then uh, Martha Marcy Bay Marlene came to mind too I was thinking I thought about the that whole opposite of that <laughs> <laughs> right because Justin Thoreau is a little bit like the uh, John Hawks the guy yeah <laughs> I just thought of it just like wow I could make a great double feature out of watching Wanderlust and Martha Marcy Bay Marlene <laughs> <laughs> it would lighten the mood that's for sure all right so that's a little what's it seem like. And uh, we're going to move on now to our Oscar predictions. And, uh, okay, so we're going to go through all 24 categories of the Oscars and predict what we want to see win here. And um, in addition to predicting what we or what we think will win, we're also going to make some predictions, if we can, about what we'd want to win uh, for this category, which... Um, doesn't necessarily need to be any of the nominees. I stress that enough. So if you guys have an answer to these questions that you want to want to suggest as a, as like an alternative to any of the nominees, if it isn't one of the nominees, if it is, then you know, go for it. Then uh, you know, feel free to shout it out. We all got this. I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna go through them backwards as well. I'm not gonna do the big ones first. I'll do. I'll start. I'll Whoa. start small. Okay. Way to build suspense. Is I that... know. <laughs> okay. Here we go. First category: best short film, live action, Pentecost. Raju, The Shore, Time Freak, and Tuba Atlantic. Start with Mark Johnson. Why not? Uh, well, I didn't see any of the shorts, so I don't know what I want to win, but I predicted The Shore to win. The Shore. Hoban? Uh, this is one of the rare opportunities where I actually did get to see all the films, and nice. I'm going to go with a little bit more my personal choice, but I'm going to pick Raju. And this film... It could be a f- expanded to a feature-length movie. Um, it, w- it was really quite emotionally affecting. And it was only, I forget, what, 15, 20 minutes. But, or no, I think it was 30 it was minutes. One, yeah. but, uh, but it was, it was, it was really impressive. 
Um, although the shore is is there, you know, actually this is a strong category. These are all really pretty yeah, good films. I, agree. I actually also saw the all the short films, so I also predict Raju as well. Actually, that's where my answer lies. I'm predicting uh, Pentecost. Okay. <laughs> that's funny. I saw the trailers. He saw the trailers for the short <laughs> films. <laughs> yeah, <for> the- <laughs> I was like, Pentecost looks like it could be like a fun but serious thing. <laughs> All right, here we go. Next category: Best Short Film Animated, Sunday, The Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris Lesmore, La Luna, A Morning Stroll, Wildlife. Abe, I'm gonna go with La Luna, and that's probably just because of Pixar. But I think that they were teasing it uh, ahead of some other Pixar film in the past. It's coming and- up in front of Brave. In front of Brave. Oh. Um, but I think that we've seen, I've seen like a minute of it. Uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, Mark Hoven. I'll pick the fantastic flying books of Mr. Morris Lesmore. Johnson? Yeah, actually I was wrong. I did see one of the shorts and that was the fantastic flying books and I loved it. So I went with yeah. that one. Um, I also go with the fantastic flying books of Mr. Morris Lesmore. However, I'd want to win a morning stroll. That movie is so weird. It... This will no no one's really gonna see these movies, really, so it doesn't apply too much. But I'm just throwing it out there that I really like the Morning Stroll the most out of these. And La Luna, has Pixar ever won a best um, short film animated Oscar? Short? Yeah, but it's a, it's been a while. It's been like since 2002. Yeah, I recall. Yeah, they don't. It's been, it's been a long, they're on a, they're on a long. They don't, they don't tend to win there. these categories. Yeah. Now, what's uh, funny about the Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris Lesmore? I kind of think it's Oscar bait. As weird it is to say to call it is to call best bit. short film animated Oscar baity, but I really think it is very Oscar baity. Watching this movie is like this one. It's it seems very obvious to me, but that's it's such it, a wild rant does. that I don't really care that much. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Best short, best documentary short subject. Oh, this is a long one. The Barber of Birmingham, foot soldier of the civil rights movement. God is the bigger Elvis. Incident in New Baghdad, Saving Face, or the Tsunami and Cherry Blossom? Mark Johnson. I was between God is the Bigger Elvis and Saving Face, and in the end went with Saving Face. All right. Abe. I'm going to go with what Mark Johnson said, because I think that he's seen these films. Yes, no, I, I haven't. Oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> then in that case, I'd go with the Tsunami and the All Cherry right. Blossom. Okay. There you, there yep, you got go. a competition. <laughs> you can't. I. You, oh man, the prizes you guys are not going to get for calling these right. <laughs> Open. I went with the tsunami and the cherry blossom. Okay, so yeah, I'm with saving face. So we're gonna. This is. This is. This is. Um, this yeah. is almost the toughest category for me. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's really riveted by these three. So let's move on to the bigger ones now. Uh, well, actually, still best documentary feature. Helen back again. If a tree falls, a story of Earth for liberation front. Paradise Lost 3, Purgatory. Pina, or Undefeated. Abe? I'm going to go with Helen Mack again. I think that that's... Uh, I think Roger Ebert has shouted that out. Uh, so, I'll go with that. Mark Johnson. Okay, I saw all of these except Undefeated. And Helen Mackey was probably my favorite, but I ended up going with Undefeated just for the fact that it was backed by the Weinsteins. Ooh. Ooh, damn, that's good. Hoban? I'm going to go with Undefeated. Okay. Uplifting. I'm with Paradise Lost 3 Purgatory, so we'll see. This is a weird category, documentaries, too. Yeah, Yeah. it really could go to any one yeah. of the five on this one. All right. Best achievement in visual effects. We have Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Hugo, Real Steel, 
Rise of the Planet of the Apes of the Rise of the Planets. Transformers, <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon, Album Side 2. That's it. Okay, all those three, four, five, five. It's, it's rare. We don't have five nominees that often in this category. It's usually like three. We, we will from now on, though. They change oh, it's always going to be five? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Abe, who, do you, who are you picking in this one? This one's actually kind of tough. Um, uh, I'm going to go with Hugo, but I, I, I'm, I'm kind of iffy on Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It's like, you know, they have some pretty good visual effects, but I'm going to go with Hugo. Uh, Mark Hoven. I'd like to redub this the Andy Circus Award, okay. and uh, I'm giving okay. it to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I am right there with you, Johnson. Yeah, I, th- I think Hugo's a good pick, but I, I also went with Rise of the Planet of the Apes for Andy Circus Factor, and they, they seem to like their motion capture performances in that category. Okay. Um, trying to think of who. Is any, does anyone have one that they'd want to win this category? Rise. Rise. Yeah, I, I like Rise. Yeah, this. This one was a tough one for me. <laughs> like, I, I, I think I want Rise to win as much as I think it will win, but these are some good, strong... Like, I really like the I really like the Real Steel special effects. I thought those were... Yeah, those I, were bad I, either. I, I, I think... That I like the... I, in terms of scale, I mean, Transformers would obviously kind of... I mean, say what you will about those movies. It does a lot with what it's created visually, but... The real steel robots had more personality, which is why I really like, like the robots in that in those movies compared to Transformers. But, yeah, it's still Rise. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, here we go. Best achievement in sound editing: Drive, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Hugo, Transformers: Dark of the Moon, War Jessica Parker, Warhorse. <laughs> sorry, I, 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 I was a type. Uh, Abe. <laughs> Uh, I went with Warhorse. Hoban? Hugo? Mark Johnson? This is, uh, to me, this is the hardest category in the whole field. It's a tough one, yeah. Uh, but I went, yeah, I went with Warhorse. Yeah, I also went with Warhorse, but I... Uh, I would like Drive to win it, simply it needs because to win something. I only got one <laughs> yeah. nomination. But that's probably not going to okay, happen. Next up, we have Best Achievement in Sound Mixing. Ask any of us what we think the difference between these two categories are. We'll probably give you some crickets first. Um, the Girl with the Dragon <laughs> Tattoo kicks fire with Hornet's Nests. Hugo, Moneyball, Transformer, Dark of the Moon, Side 1, Track 1, Warhorse, Mark Hoban. Uh, Hugo again. Johnson? I went with a split with the sounds. I went with Hugo for mixing. Yeah, I did as well. Abe? Mixing, I don't even know what that means. But I'm going to stick with Warhorse. Okay. Again, this could go either way. Between these two, actually. It's surprising. It's surprising I like it. It's either one or the other. Like, none of the other ones apparently have a chance in our eyes. But we'll see. Do Does anyone know what the history, like, do... Yep. Do this, does the same movie usually win both of no, these awards, actually, or they don't, does it often? No. And no. you generally, I believe, sound mixing okay. generally, like if a musical is nominated, sound mixing generally goes to the musical film. Like I remember, I believe, yeah. like um, Dreamgirls, I think, was yeah. nominated for sound mixing, and whatever giant summer blockbuster yeah. was up for sound editing. And I correctly predicted that Dreamgirls won sound mixing, so I was pretty. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Chicago, Chicago, Dreamgirls, and Ray are all previous winners in yeah. mixing. Uh, it goes. It's kind of all over the board with mixing because those films win, but then other bigger ones like King Kong and Inception have won, and then some more. You know, even Slumdog Millionaire, which is kind of weird, but that also won sound mixing. Whereas editing kind of tends to lean more towards the big booming. Films, yeah. 
Huh. Yeah, that's that's more of the like you know, uh, King Kong, Lord of the Rings, Dark Knight, Hurt Locker, those movies. Um, the war, war movies, especially it seems, tend to win sound out. Even Pearl Harbor won that Oscar before. Yeah, that's so. why. Yeah, okay. Okay, here we go. Best achieve. I think we could all say this at the same time. Best achievement in music written for a motion picture, original song, The Muppets, Man or Muppet, Rio, Rio and Rio, Johnson, Hope and Abe, Muppets, Muppets, Man or Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope yeah for real jesse eisenberg with an oscar under no <laughs> <laughs> well, he wouldn't he wouldn't win. yeah he wouldn't win yeah sergio mendez would though he's he's part of the he wrote the music i want to see a fly of the concord get on stage and have an oscar in his hand that would be yes uh, okay be best achievement in music written for motion picture original score adventures in tintin john williams the artist I can't even read that name. <laughs> I was God five seconds into that one. Ludovic Borse, Hugo by Howard Shore, Ticker Taylor, Soldier Spy, Alberto Iglesias, Warhorse, John Williams, Double Threat. Abe? Um, I just kind of randomly chose. I haven't seen The Artist. I know, sacrilegious. But uh, I'll go with The uh, Adventures of Tintin. But what I would want to win is Drive, Cliff Martinez. Um, that elevator... Like the wrong floor track, man. I, I still can play it in my head. It's a great track. Hobbit. I picked the artist. I mean, the whole the whole film is yeah. a score. So. I'm right there with you, Johnson. Yeah, I picked the artist as well. My my personal pick, what I would like to have seen one was uh, that's Hannah. yeah, like that's to mine too. <laughs> yes. Or Hugo. I like Hugo. Hugo score's nice. I listen to it uh, quite a bit. I, I have I have the score now. It's like it's nice. The drive score I've listened to a lot recently, actually, because I watched Drive again not too long ago, and it's like, damn, the score's really good. But uh, yeah, Hanno's. That's I've listened to that the most I think this year <laughs> while writing. I I thought John Williams' score in Warhorse was pretty good too. It was one one of the the things about the film I liked the most. All five nominees here, I I, I like the Ten Ten's probably the one I would sub out that, for yeah, something like either Dragon Tattoo that's or the one that's the that sticks out. Yeah, it's like that got both John Williams scores got nominated. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I, I actually, I like the, I love, they love I like him. the Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy score too. Actually, I, I, I yeah, see I that in there because it has a kind of a, a '70s retro vibe to it that I kind of, especially like in the it was very noticeable in the opening title sequence of that movie. It was like I see, I like the, I like where this music's kind of going. All right, uh, best achievement in makeup: uh, Albert Nobbs. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 of 8 or 1 or 2. The Iron Lady and that's it. Those three. Mark Johnson? Um, their history seems to go toward Harry Potter here but I'm, I'm going to go with Iron Lady. I also went with Iron Lady. Uh, Margaret equals Meryl. I think that's the kind of logic I'm going with. Uh, Mark Hoban? Yeah, I went with Iron Lady. Although I struggled with this even though there's only three categories or three options i i kind of struggled between harry potter and iron lady but i ultimately went with iron lady abe i won the iron lady um if anything i think that uh, or if if harry were to win anything maybe it'd be this one just to give him that oscar but yeah yeah um okay best achievement in costume design we have anonymous the artist hugo jane Eyre, or the king speech spinoff by madonna we uh, Mark Johnson. Yeah, along with sound editing, I think this was the hardest one to predict. Um, usually they like their flashier, bigger costumes like Anonymous or yeah. Jane Eyre, but I, 
I went with the artist because I think this is one of the ones that it gets in a semi-sweep. I don't think it's going to dominate, but I think, I, I think it'll take a f quite a few. So I think it starts here. Uh, Mark Hoven? I went with Hugo, but I, I agree that I think this category could go to any one of these five, and I would not be shocked. But right. Hugo is where I, what I ended up I picking. also went with Hugo, and I went with that over the artist simply because it's in color. I think that might... I think that right. might have a difference. Exactly. That might make the difference for why one goes over the other. But I mean, if the I feel like if if the artist starts you know taking technical awards early, it's probably going to sweep every award at that point. I'll probably be yeah. rushing to change my polls, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, Abe, I went with the artist. All right, uh, best achievement in art direction: the artist, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, Hugo. Midnight in Paris or Warhorse? Uh, Abe? Uh, I'm all over the place. I went with Hugo in this one. I also went with Hugo. Uh, Mark Hoban? Yeah, I, I think Hugo was a stunning-looking film, and so I, I went with Hugo. Uh, Mark Johnson? Yeah, this seems to be one of the locks of the night, so I also went with Hugo. Okay. Let's see. Best achievement in editing. We have The Artist, The Descendants, The Girl mm -hmm. of Dragon Tattoo, Hugo and Moneyball. Uh, Mark Johnson. Uh, the best picture winning film tends to win this award. Uh, so I went with the artist, but I think it'll be a close race with that and Hugo. Uh, yeah, Hugo. I mean, Thelma, Thelma Schumacher is a seven time winner. She's no, <laughs> she's a threat in these categories, but I also went with the artist. Uh, Mark Hoven? Uh, the artist. Abe? The artist. Okay. In, in terms of what I'd want to win, I'd actually say The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And I know Adam Gentry would agree with me because those movies, that movie flew by to me because of the editing. And so, seeing, yeah, when I watched that movie twice, it was like, this movie just feels really well paced. And I, I credit that a lot to how the editing's going for a two hour and 40 minute movie. But that's me. So, that probably won't win, but we'll see. Probably the artist. Okay. Best achievement in cinematography. A lot of beautiful films in this category. We have The Artist. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Hugo, The Tree of Life, and Warhorse. Abe? Uh, well, it's Tree of Life. Uh, Mark Johnson? This better be The Tree of Life or I'm going to be pretty pissed off. But, uh, <laughs> but I think the artist is a, true, is a real threat here. But I, I did go with The Tree of Life. Of okay. Life. Mark yes. Hoban? Yeah, I, I thought I was being you know different, but I, I picked The Tree of Life also. Yeah, well, let's see. Emmanuel Lubetsky has never won an Oscar, I believe, right? Is that correct, Mark? Yeah, he, I don't I'm think so. Pretty sure he has not. Yeah. He lost. He lost for uh, Children of Men a few years ago when he should have won there as well. Yeah, and I think he was nominated for. Was he nominated for the? Did he do the New World too? Uh, he might have because he works with. Yeah, works with he might have worked with Yeah, yeah. See, now I'm looking. At, I'm going to look this up really quick because I'm just curious. Yeah, he's a five-time nominee, but has never won. That's correct. Yeah, so yeah, I think we're all all about Tree of Life here. Okay. Then next up we have Best Foreign Language Film of the Year, Bullhead from Belgium, Footnote from Israel, In Darkness from Poland, Monsieur Lazar from Canada, and A Separation from Iran. So, uh, Mark Johnson, where would you put yours there? Well, there seems to be an upset here every single yeah. year, um, but I went with A Separation anyway. I did too. Mark Hoban? A Separation. Okay. Abe? A separation. All right. Now, I know... Three of us have seen a separation, and yeah, we all really like this movie a lot. But 
there always seems to be an, an upset I, in the foreign language film. Has anyone seen any of the other films? I was going to see In Darkness, but then I like saw some like, negative reviews for it. I was like, I don't really feel like sitting through a depressing two-and-a-half-hour Holocaust drama right now, so I'm not going to, so I didn't go and check it out. <laughs> and the other ones aren't even like out anywhere yet, right? Those ones. Right. We never. We, I'm surprised we got a separation here in Cleveland. Uh, we usually usually is like May before we get the the foreign language films. So that's the only one I've seen. All right. So next up, we have best animated feature film of the year. We have A Cat in Paris, Chico and Rita, Kung Fu Panda Two, Puss in Boots, and Rango. I'm with Rango all the way. Anyone that knows me <laughs> could have guessed that. Abe. <laughs> Or I went with Chico and Rita. I'd rather see Kung Fu Panda win just because I liked it more. But Chico and Rita, apparently, it's been getting some good reviews. Okay. Johnson? You said you saw Chico and Rita? No, uh, I didn't. Okay. Because, yeah, that one looks to me... Uh, the only the only one of the four I've, or five I've seen... Were, well, actually, I saw Ringo and Kung Fu Panda, too. But Chico and Rita just looks incredible. I didn't uh, get to see it, though. So Ringo seems to be the favorite here. So. Hope it. Well, when these uh, nominations came out, I actually sought out uh, Chico and Rita and A Cat in Paris. Um, and they're good, but they're not even close to Rango. I mean, Rango was one of my favorite films of the whole year. Yep. So. Okay, here we go. Best writing screenplay based on a material previously produced or published. And we have The Descendants, Hugo, The Ides of March, Moneyball, and Tinker, Taylor, Martha, Marcy, Soldier, Spy, Marlene. Uh, Abe? I went with The Descendants. Because you want to see Dean Pelton win. I get it. Yeah, exactly. I also went with The Descendants. Mark Hoban? I went with The Descendants, although I would love for Moneyball to win this award, but yeah. The Descendants. Yeah, I'm the same as okay. I went with Descendants, root for Moneyball. I'd love to see Hugo win this award. It's not going to, but I'd like to see that, because I've read the book now, and I'm like, this movie, this, this book's really good, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah it is. Awesome. It's like a it's a book and like a picture book and a comic and like a, right. it's all these different books in one. It's like really awesome. Um, okay, best screenplay written directly for the screen: The Artist from Michelle Hazanavicious, Bridesmaids from Kristen Wiig and Annie Mobolo, Margin Call from J.C. Chandor, Midnight in Paris from Woody Allen, A Separation from Asghar Fahadi. Uh, Abe, I'm with the artist, uh, but I'd like to see Kristen Wiig win for Bridesmaids. Uh, Mark, Hoban? Uh, Midnight in Paris. I'm also with Midnight in Paris. Uh, Mark Johnson? Same here, Midnight in Paris. Okay. I'd want Midnight in Paris to win as well, and I'm going to be annoyed if the artist sweeps everything and gets screenplay for a silent movie. That's just me. Okay. Um, no, they've got to write stuff like, and then he I mean, no, there's, the a, there's an actual <laughs> screenplay for the movie, and there are, you know people do speak in that movie in terms of they are talking, you just don't hear them, but still. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, Best Achievement in Direction Woody Allen for Midnight in Paris Michelle Azanavicius for The Artist Terrence Malick for The Tree of Life Alexander Payne for The Descendants Martin Scorsese for Hugo Abe I went with Woody Allen Midnight really? in Paris I mean, no, 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 I'm sorry Oh, that's who I'd want to win uh, Director Han Hazanavicius Michelle Vicious. okay uh, Mark Hoban, sorry <laughs> uh, Michelle Hazanavicius Okay, Johnson yeah, I went with Hassan Vicious too, but I'm, I'd love to see either Scorsese or Malik win it. Yeah, I also went for Hassan Vicious, but yes, I'd really love to see Martin Scorsese pick one up for Hugo. I Yeah, that's where I'd wish that would happen. 
be very very interesting to see if Terrence Malick won for directing. That'd be that's like not gonna happen, but it's like wow, that might happen. Okay. Okay, best performance by an actress in a supporting role. Veronese Bejo for the artist. Jessica Chastain for the help out of her eight movies. Melissa McCarthy for Bridesmaids and Janet McTeer for Albert Nobbs and Octavia Spencer for I've heard the help. Uh, Abe? I went with uh, Octavia Spencer. But it'd be cool to see um, which we call it, Melissa McCarthy win. Uh, Mark Johnson? Yeah, I'd be between I'd be between Chastain and Spencer if I had a vote, but I think Spencer is going to win. And Mark Hoban. Uh, Octavia Spencer is probably going to win this. Do you have a want to win for this category? Uh, you know, this is a really kind of a weird choice, but I I might actually pick Melissa McCarthy. I thought she was really funny in that film. She kind of reminded me a little bit of like the Marissa Tomei factor in My Cousin Vinny. She just was sort of like a just a she just really made me laugh. All right. Best performance by an actor in a supporting role. Kenneth Branagh for My Week with Marilyn. Jonah Hill for Moneyball. Nick Nolte for Warrior. Christopher Plummer for Beginners. And Max von Sydow for Extremely Loud and Incredibly Oscar Bait. <laughs> Mark Hoban? Christopher Plummer, uh, I think, is going to win this. Abe? Yeah, Christopher Plummer all the way. Johnson? Uh, I, 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 pretty, I have Plummer as well. If uh, Of the five nominated, I'm rooting for Plummer, but... Brad Pitt for the Tree of Life would have been my pick to win if if you were on there. Uh, yeah. If from the cat from this category, I would want Nick Nolte to win. Actually, that's where I'd kind of go. I'm going with Christopher Plummer, and yeah, yeah. I'd go for Albert Brooks and Drive if uh, you know things were different. Aaron, I totally agree with you. I think I really like Nick Nolte a lot in Warrior, and also just maybe it was a little bit of a sentimental choice. But you know, he's in his life, he's had some problems in real life, and I just feel like he really cleaned himself up in this film, and he, he almost was playing himself a little bit. I, I really found it to be a, a good performance and a sentimental favorite. Yeah, so. I, yeah I think he's very strong. I'm, like, he's not... I'm actually more emotionally connected to Nick Nolte winning this award personally than Christopher Plummer, but Christopher Plummer seems to be the sentimental choice. So I, Abe just went with it because he's also a 72-year-old gay man who just recently came out. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's the story of my life what can i say <laughs> what i can say about christopher Plummer, because i really do like that performance i'm very happy that he you know if he wins an oscar tonight that he you know wins the oscar tonight but what i what i really like about the performance is that he is playing you know a, an, an aged gay character that dies in a film i mean that's not a spoiler you know he's gonna die in any other movie that would seem like it, that would seem like oscar bait like automatically it's like he's playing a, a character with cancer who's right. gay give me oscar now but it feels very grounded in this movie so uh, uh, kudos for that performance it's a subtle it's a it subtle it's performance much less, yeah. it's much less over the top or like completely like just like going for the award kind of performance that you kind of expect from just that broad description of it so i'm very i i do really like i do really like that christopher Plummer performance so i hope he prepares a really good yeah, speech because you know he's been acting for a few years you yeah. know he's just gonna start singing songs from Sound of music. Yeah. yeah, I believe. Yeah. Just pick up a guitar and start singing. I believe he hates lights. that That'd performance. Be... Actually, I think he, I think he said that. He before. I think he really cool. hates his role in that movie. Or like he did, he did. That's not one of his. That's not I mean, one of his favorites. I'm pretty sure I've heard him say that. Then he's stupid. Just sound of music's awesome, and he's great in that. That's that's one of the main reasons I'm rooting for him is Captain Von Trapp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm curious who did he lose to that year? No, he Probably. didn't even did get, nominated get nominated for that. Yeah. No, he, the first no, time he was yeah, ever nominated yeah. for was that uh, thing with Helen Mirren. 
can't even think right. of the name of it. Leo Tolstoy. That. Oh, that movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't even think of the name of it, but uh, I mean, I saw it and I can't think of it. Yeah, I can't but believe that he was a, for The Insider. Yes, wow. he could have been nominated for that. He's a little over the top. I mean, okay, well, The Last Station was the... Oh, the Last Station, that's it. Okay, best performance by an actress in a leading role. Glenn Close for Albert Nobbs, Viola Davis for The Help, Rooney Mara for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Meryl Streep for The Iron Lady, Michelle Williams for My Week with Marilyn. Uh, Abe? Definitely, that's a pretty strong category. Um, I went with Viola Davis. It would have been cool to see uh, Hannah. So Cersei Ronan. Cersei Ronan. But that's just, you know, some odd, weird fantasy world. Uh, Mark Hoban. Um, so I'm picking Viola Davis, but actually, personally, I really would love to see Meryl Streep win this, this uh, award. And the reason is I really feel like that role in anyone else's hands would have been like a caricature and, and, and couldn't have been handled with the the talent that Meryl Streep brought to it. So I, I thought it was an extraordinary performance, even though the film is seriously, seriously flawed. But Meryl Streep's performance really made it for me. But uh, Viola Davis is, is my pick to, to win it. Mark Johnson? Yeah, I think either way, this is going to be probably the most emotional moment of the night because Viola's been given the best speeches all season. And Meryl's gone you know, 29 years without a win. So I think uh, either way, this is going to be an incredible moment. Uh, but I went with Viola. All right. I also went with Viola Davis, who I think gives a very strong performance. So you know, I'll be happy to see her win tonight for the help if she does. Um, Me too. I, in the ideal world, I made no secret about my love for the poor performances to take shelter. And I'd really love to see Jessica Chastain have been nominated for this category. I also would really have liked to see Elizabeth Olsen for Martha Marcy Marlene nominated mm -hmm. over Rooney Mara in Girl with Dragon oh, Tattoo. I, uh, yeah. Those are oh. both good choices. And I have two more. Um, I, I really like Charlize Theron. And Young, in, uh, young Adult, yeah. Young Adult. Young adult. And oh. then, um, what's, this, what's the name? Uh, we need to talk Tilda. about Tilda Swinton. Yeah, Tilda. Yeah, yeah Tilda, Tilda Swinton. Swinton. Yeah. That was also a, an extraordinary performance. There's a lot of performances that could, yeah. have been, could have gone into this category. And every one that you're naming is, is a great performance, but all five of these are great as well. So it would, be, it really would be sure. hard to bump yeah, any this, out. This became this became a very strong category. Like before, before, it didn't seem yeah. as strong as it ended up being in for for actresses this year. So I'm pretty pretty happy with you know. It's yeah, it's an interesting year because none of the movies, other than the help, it wasn't really a year of movies for women. But but as far as performances go, I think this is a stronger field than the men. Yeah. And bridesmaids that had. Yeah, I mean, true. It was right, it was true, a comedy, true. but yeah. As far as best picture contenders, right, right, uh, okay. down to just one really. And she actually Viola is the only one of the five nominated whose film is up for best picture as well. Okay, so next up we have best performance by an actor in a leading role, and we have Damien Bashir for A Better Life, George Clooney for The Descendants, Jean Dujardin for The Artist, Gary Oldman for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and Brad Pitt for Moneyball. Um, Abe? I went with uh, Dujardin, um, but again, it would be fantastic if Brad Pitt won for Moneyball. Mark Hoban? I totally agree with you, Abe. I, I think Jean Desjardins um, will win it, and he does put in a good performance, and uh, even since he's uh, done the film, he's, he's been very charming in the public eye. He's learned uh, English, but, uh, essentially, since then. He knew very little English before the artist took off, and as he's been doing all these interviews and stuff, he's very much kind of learned the language so he can speak it. And... 
Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I you sent me that clip uh, of uh, Jean Desjardins auditioning for like all the evil <laughs> yes. parts. Oh. That was let me put hilarious. that in the show notes right now. Actually, that's, you should. That was, so that, that was really a that was a funny um, link you sent me. And then um, he was also in a little clip in uh, Saturday yes. Night Live with this little da dancing yeah. uh, French thing. Uh, so he he seems to be very charming. However, I I would would love to see Brad Pitt win this this role. I thought he was phenomenal in Moneyball. Mark Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how many people are rooting for Brad Pitt. I wonder if that spills over to the actual voters, because uh, I too am rooting for Pitt to win. I'd be okay with Clooney winning. I'd be happy to see him win. Uh, but I'd also pick Jean Dujardin just because I think he's the best part of the artist. And if that's their favorite movie, then I think he'll get rewarded for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys, with Jean Dujardin. Um, this is a strong category, too. I, I like I really like Clooney and the Descendants. I, I think it's one of his best performances that he's given in a film. So, like, would be... It's between these two, I think. So, I mean, I think it's going to be Jean Dujardin, but I, you know, wouldn't be upset at all by Clooney winning. And Brad Pitt's very good in Moneyball. I, I agree with that. And Gary Oldman, just, I think he just won Oscars every year, but that never happened. So I'm just happy to see that he's around here. Yeah. It, 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 Mark, is this the first time that Gary was yes. nominated? Yeah, this is Gary's first. first yeah. That's yeah. that's a tragedy it, it is, right yes. there. But. but look at Christopher Plummer. He's you know 72 years old. So. Mm. Yeah, sometimes it's interesting too because sometimes it's just some kind of tragic miss, and sometimes it's just a you know they've given great performance just in a really crowded year, you know. So like look at look at uh, I mean this this list of five is great, but then look at the five look at the few that missed. You got Fastbender missed for Shame, you yeah. have Woody Harrelson missed for Rampart, Michael you have Shannon, uh, Michael Shannon missed right for Take Shelter. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean you, there's there's that kind of stuff happens too along the way. It's not right. always Those the Oscar misses. All it. good choices. Right. And all and all five of these are good choices. I mean, if you you could bump Bashir for any one of those three, but Bashir was really good. So it's you know, it's one of those things. I, where I do like the fact that he made this category. Mark Johnson, yeah. I believe you it's were nice. holding out hope for this, right? For, for Bashir? For, for yes, for Bashir to like enter into this. No, no, I I wanted fast. You wanted fast. Anybody. Right? He, actually, yeah, actually, if if I had a vote, I'd I'd go fast bender. Of the five, I'd go pet. Okay. But Fast Fastbender to me was the best performance. Fastbender did have an yeah. awesome year in general, and so did his penis. But um, I, I was <laughs> I, I would be completely even for Michael Michael Shannon in Take Shelter. Yeah. Again, I made this no secret that I just really love his performances a lot. But um, right. yeah, all right. So here we go. Best motion picture of the year: The Artist, The Descendants, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Help, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball. The Tree of Life, or War Horse. Abe, where are you going with this? Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the mainstream, and I'll go with the artist. But it would be fantastic if Hugo won, and it would also be equally fantastic if Midnight in Paris won. Agreed completely with everything you just said. Hoban? Uh, the artist. My choice and the Academies. Johnson? Yeah, I'd, I'd vote for Hugo, or maybe the Tree of Life, but probably Hugo, and... There's just nothing stopping the artist tonight. Okay, so obviously I'll just recap every 24 of these categories. I'm not going to do that. That'd take way too long. So yeah, those are our Oscar predictions. All 24 categories. This well, this is all kind of moot because this episode comes out after the Oscars have happened. But we will have our, our results bonus episode then the next day tomorrow when we record again, which will hopefully get posted very close to when this episode gets posted. So, you know, you could at least see our reactions to what actually happened. Uh, 
so what you're what you're saying is when people are listening to this, they'll get to see how just how much I see how wrong Mark Johnson was. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot right. again next year for our Oscar. Right. You definitely should recap after the like count like how many each person yeah. you know oh, picked and see who uh, won. Oh, we'll yeah, do the that. Notes will have will have it all Good. laid out, and of course the results show will go over this in scrutiny and make sure yeah. to poke so much fun at whoever lost every category. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think any of us are going to be that. I mean, we're going to have ones wrong, obviously, but I don't oh, think yeah. we're we're that. I, far. I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm, I'm telling from the majors. I'm telling you right yeah, now, maybe. I've got everyone right. <laughs> oh, that's, that's that's the case. <laughs> never know, okay. man. Never. Um, let's let's uh, right. get, let's get to the end of things here. Um, okay, so next week, so next week we're gonna discuss um, the Lorax is gonna be our main plan. Maybe we'll add something else onto there too. But the Lorax is the new Doctor Seuss animated film, and uh, I'm this is the first Doctor Seuss movie I'm actually looking forward to seeing. I've been really like the Grinch and Cat in the Hat, like, eh. and then the, the Horton was high for me. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best way to describe I... it. So, here, here's my little side note anecdote. I missed Kung Fu Panda, the first one to watch Horton Hears Who. I'll never live it down. I know, like the ambulance are about to take you away for that. Yeah. Okay, so the Lorax. So let's do a little box office predict. <laughs> let's do a little box office predictions for what we think the Lorax could do. Doctor Seuss films tend to do pretty good. And this is coming from Universal, the producers that brought us Despicable Me. Despicable Me opened in the summer to like fifty-six million dollars. They also made Hop last year, and that opened to 37. I think Horton Hears a Who opened pretty high as well. It opened to $45 million. Uh, so, with all that said, what do we think the Lorax can make next weekend? Not very crowded. The only thing, other thing that opens is Project X, which is an R-rated cop. Not a family romp. Not a family romp, romp like, like the Lorax. <laughs> um, Abe, any, any guess? I'm going to go with... Uh... Oof, there's still some movies out there in the theaters that people are still going to see. Plus, with Oscars, this is probably going to get a bump with, like, the... Yeah, the, the artist will make $2 million next weekend instead of one, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to mess up, like, the placement of things. Oh, that's tough. I'll just go with first, I'll go with uh, a solid $30 million. Solid $30 million. all right. I'll give you one higher. I'll do a solid $37 million. I think there's a the Doctor Who, Doctor Doctor Who, Doctor Seuss audience is out there. So. Uh, Mark Hoban. I will do. Uh, thirty-one million. All right. First place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark. And this is and this is prices right rules, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're gonna go with one dollar, aren't you? Yeah, I'm gonna say it bombs, and I'll go one dollar. <laughs> oh dang. <laughs> <laughs> but it should be known I don't ever pay attention to the box okay, office. So I'll, I'll say 20th no place idea. for John Johnson with $1. I got it. <laughs> okay. Can I rank it higher in the list with still $1? You can if you want. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, I, I would say third on the okay. list and $1. All right. Okay. What, what else is coming Project out that X weekend? It's the only thing that comes out that weekend. I don't even know. Oh, I'm sure that this will beat that. So I, I would say first place. Well, you hope, but there are a lot of high school kids that try to get into R-rated movies. No, they'll be paying for the Lorax to see Project X. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Right. Zach Efron. Taylor right. Swift crowd. Okay, so that actually the Lorax has a good good cast. It. I'm excited to see this movie. Good yeah. cast, yeah. Maybe an IMAX. Who knows? Um, okay. 
So that's going to do it this week for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog site, thecodazeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews. Is You know, I'm just going to point this out right there. I wrote an essay, actually, about uh, Midnight in Paris and Inception, a comparison piece that I'm quite proud of, actually, and I was really happy to do it. It's, yeah, I like it's that available on both my blog and on whysoblue.com, where you can also find other Blu-ray reviews. And uh, So there. You can also find me at twitter.com slash aaronsps3. Abe? You can find more of my work at walrusmoose.blackspot.com, two animals, walrusmoose.blackspot.com, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Mark Hoban? You can find more of my work on my blog at fastfilmreviews.wordpress.com. That's fastfilmreviews, all one word. And also on Twitter at Mark underscore Hoban. Mark Johnson. All right, I'm uh, at awardcontenders.com, and I'm on Twitter under awardcontenders.com as well. Great. Okay. You can find all of our other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe at iTunes, also at hhwlod.com. We can find our show, all the episodes there, as well as the other shows available on that network. Just a lot of fun shows about movies and comics and games. You can also find most of our newest episodes at outnow.podomatic.com. And you can feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com and criticize all the terrible Oscar choices we made and wonder how we could have ever come up with those picks. Like clearly these <laughs> other things won and they were all about those all along. As well as like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We'll be sure to, you know, uh, we, we like, we, I like having fun on the, on the Facebook page and, you know, all our updates and stuff, all our blog posts and everything goes to that Facebook page. So, you know, check it out. Like it cool and of course itunes reviews and ratings easy to do really nice to have them so that's everything we got tomorrow or whenever this episode gets released concurrently we'll have a bonus episode follow it about our oscar results but until next time so long goodbye
that's gross. <laughs> 